Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. I'm Jay, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Electra. It is a spin-off from the 2003 film Daredevil. The film stars Jennifer Garner in the title role. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I never got around to watching this when it released. Um mainly because I had a problem with the casting of uh, Jennifer Garner at the time because they had cast a very, very Caucasian lady as the Greek-born and Greek-named Electra Nastasios from the comics, Um, and it stuck. (laughs) I just... Without Daredevil in there to like drag me along, I was like, you know, what? I don't really feel like watching that movie. Like, I still have a problem with the whole casting thing. Um, which, you know, even if they went to do it now, well, they did do it for Netflix, and they cast an Asian actress, not a Greek actress. Yeah, um, cast, so yeah, casting casting has come a long way, and the casting of Jennifer Garner in this role. Very two thousands. It is. It is. Um, and you know, this was a big turnaround, like a real quick turnaround from the the Daredevil film because Daredevil was fairly successful. And this, they, I think they had confirmed this, like after opening weekend of Daredevil, they're like, we're gonna do an extra spin off. Like it was, it was like that rapid. If you think though, the end of that movie, she died. I mean, we the audience knew because Daredevil found that she'd left the, the necklace for him. Yep. But, you know, other than the necklace, we didn't see her again. So she was to be dead. But as you say, two years later, we got this spin-off. Yeah, and you know, any, anyone who'd read the comics is very familiar with the fact that Elektra has died multiple times and has come back every single time. Um, just one of those characters, like a lot of comic book characters, who they you know, occasionally kill off because they don't want to do anything with the character or they can't think of anything to do. And it's just easy to put them on the shelf. But to keep copyright, they have to bring them back and tell new original stories. Um, yeah, but, you know, it just, this movie is very 2000s. That's something I'm going to put out there on the bat because everything about this, I was like, yeah, you didn't have to tell me what year this was made. I could have probably pegged it from the the the, uh, the filming style. And it's probably a surprise to no one. I watched this at the cinema. Of course yeah. I did. <laughs> I saw all these types of movies at the cinema. Yeah. This film's credited with quite a few writers, one of them being Zach Penn. He did a few of the X-Men films as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, I, He still works. I see his name pop up even now on a lot of uh, the genre work. And he's, I, I, I think of him as competent. Uh, he does yes, like, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, um, but, you know, he's a voice among a choir on this movie. Oh, there's, there's many. And then 
Mark Stephen Johnson, he received a credit for Daredevil. I guess that's where they first introduced this version of Elektra. And from the comics, you associate Elektra with Frank Miller, who created the character in the first place. So he also gets a credit. Yeah. Um, well, that's one of my big gripes with the movie, having watched it now, is they do all this stuff. And like you said, they, he, she leaves her necklace for Daredevil at the end of that movie. But that's the one tie-in string we have to that original movie none of the actors uh that they established come back they have a different actor playing her father in the flashbacks um pretty sure we saw a character someone play stick in the daredevil movie and now we have terrence stamp no i, I don't know stick first appeared in this film because what they did they essentially self-created that character where in these films there was never an association between Daredevil and Stick. He was solely yeah. Elektra's trainer, mentor. But you were saying that people didn't come back. Somebody did, but they decided not to use it. Ben Affleck reprised his role as Matt Murdock Daredevil in a cameo, but it was cut from the final film. The scene was included on the DVD as a deleted scene. That's wild. Like... It's a because... sequence where she's been in battle and she thinks she's awake, but she's not. And then we, and Ben Affleck's there, but when she does awake, he's no longer there. And it's Ben Affleck yep. wearing a terrible red wig. Because <laughs> that yeah. was that thing in his, in his film that they gave him these red highlights. They didn't yeah. allow him just to have his natural hair colour. And in the comics, he's a redhead. That's not yeah. how you achieve that. You don't just give him red tips. Yeah, not that's not the way to go. Yeah, it's a it's a strange stylistic choice, um, and that's just of movies of the time. Like these were before Marvel producing their own films. We actually this was right around the time Batman Begins dropped, but that same was year. same year. We talked about that before we yeah. had a review of Batman Begins. This is the same year that Fox gave us. Fantastic Four, the Tim Story yeah. film. But Fantastic Four, this, the Ben Affleck Daredevil, um, all of these, what they have in common is that they were not produced by the film companies uh, who hold the rights of the comics, like Disney now owning Marvel. When Iron Man came on the scene, it was produced by Marvel, controlled by Marvel, with Marvel people attached um, the same as when you get a DC movie, they have uh, they speak to Jeff Johns now, and they do bring in writers uh, and artists for comment of like, how do you think we're doing? I you know, are we missing anything? Which is why this feel has that formulaic feel, and they still hadn't yet gotten to, through the head of like, because I believe they were talking about an Electra two, like already being like developed before this got even released and they were still I, talking about daredevil 2 with ben affleck and they just never eventually materialized but um, i don't know pretty gun-ho yeah at the i time. don't know if they got as far as the lecture 2 idea because they were developing a video game to tie in to this film it never got released well it never got made they lost yeah. confidence. Instead, what they put out was a game for your mobile phone. 
<laughs> the, the initial idea was a much bigger game, but the thought, well, we've come this far, let's release it as a smaller game. You know, I'm interested in what you said before, like with the time frame between Daredevil and this, because you're right, they absolutely fast-tracked it. Because this film, as I've said, did get released in 2005, but I'm talking middle of January. Yeah. Barely 2005. And if you think, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was around February for Daredevil. So yeah, that two years, that is not a lot of time at all. And to each go from time, no concept to a movie release as well. And like, you know, you know it shows because each time, including this recent rewatch, I forget the fact that this Electra, different character. I don't know why you're giving credit to Mark Stephen Johnson. It's not his Electra. In the flashback, you see that brown outfit because they're showing the clip in the back of the ambulance from Daredevil. But her OCD, her just demeanor, everything about Electra in this film completely different. Wasn't there until this film. It's it really is different. I mean, if we're going to give if we're going to give praise to this film, the red outfit. She's got yeah. the red outfit and it looks cool. Like the contrast is high. So the red really pops. She doesn't have the big hoop earrings from the comics, but that's okay. Mm. It wouldn't be practical in combat, but the look of Electra in this is really cool. Although it throws me in the opening, Jason Isaacs of all people. Yeah. This. yeah. And that's what threw me what? off. I'm like, <laughs> you've got a massive name actor. Oh, at the he's beginning, just to... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's buried in this film. But his sequence, she's got this like ability to almost teleport or just she's got like a, a ghost-like ability where she's able to just move around and nobody can see it. I mean, that's more than being a ninja. That's it is. like a metahuman ability. Or, yeah, supernatural. And we do get elements in this, like the tattoo man and, and, and we do get, we'll get to all those people. Well, what we'll do though, we'll talk budget and, and all of that, and then we can get more into the characters. So, as I've said, this film was released January 14th, 2005. Upon release, Electra was a commercial and critical failure, grossing 56 million against a production budget of 43 to 65 million. It received negative reviews from critics who found the script and storyline lacking, but many praised. Garner's acting as well as the action sequences. I get your issue with casting. I really do. But I do like Jennifer Garner. I've seen her more recently as well in a film called Peppermint, where she's doing the action again, I think for the first time in a while. And yeah. And at the time of doing this, she was still shooting the alias TV series. Which is one of the reasons she got cast in the first place, because so she, they cast something intelligent, which they only now kind of are starting to do more often is cast someone that in an action role with an action background, someone who's already familiar with doing choreography and stunt work and who's already at like the fitness level you require for a role, this physical, like I can, you've got, you know, um, Ming Na Wen for not just book Boba Fett and uh, the Mandalorian, but also for Agents of Shield. She has a long history of having uh, a martial arts background, the same as uh, Kelly. 
Uh, Kelly Hugh? You? Yeah, who does yes. a lot of TV work now. She was Lady Deathstrike in Wolverine, no, X-Men 2. So you have a few of those pop up, but we're starting to get, you know, Gina Carano being used um, for various bits and pieces. They've tried to get Ronda Rousey, but she's, you know, she joined the WWE and oh, <laughs> became yeah. a wrestler instead. Uh, but they are leading more that way. Um, even stuntmen um, graduating up. Like Simu Lee is a great um, uh, counter, uh, point to that because he ha- was doing stunt work more than he was doing acting work and he got cast as Shang-Chi. Um, but yeah, that, I'll, that's, I'll never talk ill about Jennifer Garner for her ability to take on the choreography. You know, she does sell the physicality of the roles she's in. Yeah, yeah, she can do the stunts. I'd say for the time this film made, she was probably the right person for the role. Because you can imagine a, a audition room full of a lot of actresses who look very much like Jennifer Garner. So I'm sure <laughs> having someone from TV that can do the stunts was probably at the time the best person for the job. Yeah, because other than that, you might have had Carrie Ann Moss, but because fresh off the Matrix, but oh yeah, she'd have been a lot more expensive. And we later got a scene, or we later saw her in another Marvel show. Yes, we did. Jessica Jones. They all end up in Marvel eventually. Yeah, yeah, the all-consuming entity, which is the Disney umbrella. <laughs> the the director Rob Bowman, his name always stuck out. To me, even though Electra doesn't use a bow, she used size. I don't know, just something about his name always stuck out and associated with Electra, but I wasn't sure what else he'd done. He came from TV and he'd either won or been nominated for Emmys for his work on X Files. And he was the director of the first X Files film, Fight the Future, in 98. That was him. Yeah. And he did the film Reign of Fire with Christian Bale and Jim Caviezel. Caviezel? Matthew, Matthew McConaughey was in that. He was the army soldier with the beard and the shaved head. Yeah, yeah. Dragons yeah, that's under right. London. I was going to use that as my next example, but um, <laughs> Reign of Fire. I watched that at the cinema too. <laughs> I, watched a lot I like of films that movie. The cinema back then. Me too. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I'm like, I'm looking at this guy's credits. Oh, okay, you know. X-Files, Reign of Fire, and then he did Electra, and I can't find anything since. Maybe he has, or maybe this was the last film he directed, but he's continued to work in TV. Yeah, it still does a lot of TV. A lot of work with Nathan Fillion on Castle, and even well, recently on The Rookie as well. So he's definitely a competent director. Um, He is. I I mean, he's... Directed a bunch of stuff I watch. <laughs> <laughs> but, I th- yeah, so it sounds like he's, he's going really well on TV, but I think they may be his, fil- his three. Actually, no, there was another one. I've not got it here. It was um, a movie with Seth Green. So maybe he's done four films. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this, this feels like something like, oh, we won't bother putting a name on this. That guy, that guy's half decent. Like he's done action stuff before. Yeah, hand him that it's it's, an, it's an, uh, an assignment rather than finding a fit. Which again, yeah. at the time, this is how we got everything. I mean, 
you know, there's a joke for the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man that the reason why they hired the director was his surname was Webb and Spider-Man. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't he, think that's entirely un, unrelated. I, don't, I think the fact that he did um, a film about teen relationships, I think that probably helped with the Peter Gwen dynamic. But maybe yeah. you're right. Maybe the surname did it. <laughs> you're hired. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the music, Christoph Beck. Great git for this film. I mean, you look at his resume and it's Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Frozen. He's done WandaVision. He did Pitch Perfect. He's doing the upcoming Hawkeye TV series. This guy has done multiple massive works, multiple award-winning works as well. Um, I'm pretty sure that WandaVision got at least nominated, if not a winning for the, the score and the music for its first season. Um, he absolutely won for Pitch Perfect uh, on for multiple awards. Like he is an excellent get. That being said, nothing stood out about the music for this movie to me. Can I admit something? Yep. Again, I watched this film at the cinema as a new release. I bought the DVD at the time. And although I recognized it wasn't the best comic book movie, I was happy to watch anything that was getting put out. And not only did I buy the DVD, I bought the score. Yeah. But not only did I buy the score, I also bought Electra the album. Yeah, I went all in. CD, <laughs> score. And the, the album, though, right? almost none of the songs featured on it were in the film. It's one of those soundtracks. You know, it's from and inspired by. And maybe you'll get yeah. one or two that's from. Ridiculous, but... Like the credits in the, or in the background. That you, yeah. I fell for it. There's the song Sooner or Later. It's played briefly in one scene. There's a remix not included on the album of Hollow. The end credits features Wonder, Photograph, and Thousand Mild Wish, referred to as the Electro Mix. But other than that, everything else was just inspired by or whatever they could get their hands on to fill the soundtrack. Yeah. Well, the Christoph Which... Beck music, even though I got the CD, I watched the movie recently. No, didn't didn't stay with me. The music from Daredevil by Graham Revel, that stayed with me. That's a good score. Yeah. Not so much, not, not very memorable, but you're right, though, in listing all his credits. I'm glad you did that before we both just said how unmemorable this score was. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's not the talent. This just feels like, as, as I said, an assignment that was handed out like, uh, we'll get him, we'll throw him on it, um, bring them in. We have to use Jennifer Garner, who was becoming a bigger and bigger name at the time. So I guess they felt confident hanging a movie on her with the success of Daredevil. Um, and it's not, you know, the rest of the cast, they've got some good guys in here. You've got uh, Roshi, who just sits in boardrooms all the time, played by. Uh, Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa, you know, Shang Tsung himself. Uh, yeah, I know. Like, it's just, you can't see him without hearing, your soul is mine. Every that's time. Exactly what I thought, <laughs> as soon as I saw him, you know, I said Jason Isaacs was wasted, and I hold that opinion 
very strongly. If you but, look at the cast list, Jason Isaacs is just buried at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I get it. But his he's henchman, only, yeah. his like guy, his bodyguard who gets killed before him, way further up. I don't know how that happens. It just it's very strange. I um, this is nearly twenty years ago. I guess he would have been breaking into American films at the time. Yeah. Yeah, you've got uh, Karigi, the main villain, played by Will Yoon Lee, who is great. He's, you know, you know, if anyone's watched Altered Carbon, season one and two, he was uh, the main character in flashbacks. And then in season two, he pops up significantly throughout the whole season when he's starring opposite Anthony Mackie. Like, you know, very competent martial artist himself. He's... He's in this. He's not got given a lot. It's a lot of like, st- like standing around menacingly, but you know, he nails the choreography when it gets to that point where he, because his job is you're the you're the villain. Give looks the camera, hand out dialogue to these guys, and yeah. then do your fight thing. Like you know, it's, it's a shame he's. As I said, I've seen him in a couple of things, and he's always been good. Yeah, um, I don't think. Well, I mean, I've not seen Altered Carbon, so I don't know him from anything else other than this. But I do remember the stunts. Yeah, um, <laughs> we have from the Expanse. Well, the actor who plays one, uh, what's the French name? Jean Pierre Mal, who's a quite a significant character from that series. He's also like menacingly in that boardroom of like the hand. Uh, played by Hiro Kanagawa. Um, I see him in a lot of things. He pops up all the time. He's one of those actors. Uh, he just he might he just gets so much work. Unfortunately, not very often in a lead role. But in this, in this, you know, as I said, he's one of the suits in that room who gets a character name in the credits. <laughs> but yeah. I recognized him. <laughs> um, Stick Terrence Stamp. Like yeah, yeah, Terrence Stamper. I'm thinking. I mean, other than this, obviously, he did Superman Two, General Zod, and the opening yeah. of Superman the movie. And this yeah. is another one. I think was he wanted? I think he was in another. Yeah, another film, comic book based film. I think it may have been wanted. Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure it was wanted. It was also, of course, uh, Grand Chancellor Valorum in Star Wars: The Phantom Menace as well. Wow, yeah. And if we're looking at TV, it was the voice of Joel in Smallville. For a decade. <laughs> yeah. But he yeah, I always love that casting. But here he is in this, and you know, he's fine. He's doing he's doing an okay job. You know, he's a bit harder yeah. at times. He's playing that kind of mentor role. Yeah. Uh I will say he doesn't he doesn't make eye contact with any actors being playing a blind character, nor does he give me like, oh, yeah, I can tell that he feels like he's blind. There's no subtle nuance that communicates that to me. Like I've seen, I mean, uh, Charlie Cox as Daredevil, phenomenal job portraying a blind character. And, you know, so many others, I mean, you know, Center Woman, Al Pacino, there's usually something of like, like head tilting to listen and that kind of yeah. stuff. Terence Stapp is doing none of that. Unfortunately, no, yeah. just being very reserved, very like Terence Stamp. 
Yeah, I thought you were going to praise Ben Affleck for his portrayal of Matt Murdock in Daredevil. <laughs> no, but even he was doing more. You know, he, he, he did. I'm, jo- I'm joking, but he, he did do things. <laughs> and I liked the um, they had folding of them when they seen you had to find them and. They did some things in there. But then in that Daredevil film, they also had Ben Affleck fighting electric in a playground. But yeah. Like, mental. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, oh, there's a, one of the main um, supporting actors in this, Goran Vishnik as Mark Miller. And yeah. this is the will they, won't they? And, you know, we've not actually said, so the, the plot of this film, the story follows Electra, an assassin who must protect a man and his prodigy daughter from another assassin who is hired by the hand. Can I just say the plot of this film I don't like? I've got no time for the young girl. She annoys the hell out of me. She always has. I just want to get it off my chest. And then yes, and then he's he's the dad. I didn't know until all these years later. Apparently, he's famous for being on ER, a show oh. that I've never really watched. I've seen bits yeah. of it, but I've never actually sat down and watched ER. Apparently, he's one of the um, he was one of the doctors on that show. But his name always stuck out to me. His character name, Mark Miller, well, is the famous it, assuming, comic book writer. <laughs> but this is the thing. But that's that's if you look at the spelling of Mark Miller, it looks like Mark Miller, which is yeah. how a lot of Americans say it. But it is Mark Miller. But I guess yeah. the Miller part. Is a homage to Frank Miller. Yeah, but I always took it at the time as oh Mark Miller, that's the that's the guy. He wrote Civil War and everything else. Yeah. It's strange that you you're so overt with a surname like that, and then you give him that's that's probably like the people in the studio going, Oh, would you Miller? We'll give it like a little nod. Um, just give him a generic first name, Mark, and no one being like Actually, there's a very famous comic book writer who never worked on Daredevil yeah. called Mark Miller. Like, can you know, pick any other name, any other first name? When, when was the last time you watched, and you know, I guess I can't help but reference Ben Affleck's Daredevil when talking to Electra, but when was the last time you watched that film? A long time ago. I did try and watch it a few years back. I got maybe 20 minutes in and like, nah. Can't do it. I'd already well, watched two I, seasons of Charlie Cox and I like come it. Out. I do like it. Like it, it's not the best, but it's got some good elements. And if you put it in contrast with what else Marvel had done at the time, Spider Man, X Men, it was a lot darker. And there's a lot that I liked about it. But the reason why I bring it up again, every other character in that is named after a comic book creator to the yeah. point where you've got Kevin Smith played a character in it and his character's name is Jack Kirby. Everybody has a comic name. Bendis is in there. It gets very distracting if you know, but this film, I think it's just an oversight. They didn't recognize, Hey, there is a Mark Miller working in comics and here we are having him as a character. And I mentioned his daughter, Abby Miller played by Kirsten Prout. Nothing against her or her performance, but it's just that type of character where yeah. she's trained. I don't know. There's just something about having a kid in that type of role. I've just never yeah. liked it as part of this movie. And they did do the like, oh, she's rough around the edges, but that's what makes her stand out. That's her uniqueness. And like, it's eventually charming. It's like, nah, she's just an annoying kid. 
Um, and they also do the they set up you know the opening scroll of the film is this talk about a treasure, a girl, motherless, and you're like, oh, Electra's prophesized now. And then we find out later in the movie, nope, it was Abby the whole time. Yeah. Classic That's why bait she's being and chased switch. after. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> no, because you're watching a film called Electra. Electra is the reason why you're watching it, the most important thing about the film. And then you get to the point, oh no, it's the kid. Yeah, and it feels like Electra. a cheap yeah. trick. Yeah. And I'm like, nope, nope, I nope, I don't buy it now. And even by the end of the movie, like you don't have the kid step into the role. In fact, you kind of do the opposite and like her fate is now like, oh, you don't have to worry, you don't have to choose a side because they're they're not after you now. Like, why are they not after you? Not explained properly. It's just kind of ripped away and tied on they tie a bow on it. I'm like, but you didn't quite explain yourself. It's like, well, oh no, you know what? we've gotten to our hour and thirty mark, so yeah, I was just gonna say this up. It it is that it, it is that. It is it is a short movie. You know, there is a director's cut available. So you may be thinking, ah, maybe that gives me the extra story that's missing because they put a director's cut out for Daredevil and it had like an extra, I think something like an extra half an hour of footage, including a subplot with more Matt Murdock and Coolio, the rapper, is in the film and Matt Murdock is his lawyer. So you've got this whole other thing that is just adding more to his character outside of being Daredevil. So that was that director's cut. This one, it is longer. Not by half an hour, but by three minutes. <laughs> That's how much longer the director's cut. But, you know, you can look for it. It's available. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just strange. Um, and, you know, there's a bunch of little things like this, like, She's since that Daredevil movie acquired precognition and like extra extra telepathy to communication. She wants to have a showdown with the main villain. She communicates telepathically. I'm like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm like, all right, fine. You couldn't think of anything else in this, Each, and you've yeah, already not... given her like these other mystical powers, yeah. whatever. I'm but not as soon as I saw it, I'm like. They're like Jedi and Sith minus telekinesis. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just, the light side and the dark side. They're fighting over something. Yeah. You've got it's an established character. Present that character. Yeah, I've mentioned Superman 2 already with Terrence Stamp. When he's in the fortress and Superman starts teleporting. Yeah. And then he throws a plastic S shield from his chest. What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. This is Superman. It, it's, yeah, it but, can do. It could do everything else. Why are you trying yeah. to? Yeah, here's every other power. Why are you creating new ones? Yeah. And that's yeah. Wait, if they had established it earlier, where she's still communicating with Stick, even though they're not working together, you could have solved that at the start of the film. But it comes so late; it's immediately stuck out. I'm like, that's that's sod. Why why are we introducing that now? So much I made a note of huh. They've just suddenly given her telepathy. Okay. Um yeah, and you know, they give her they give there's some 
uh, proxies for it to fight. You get three or four other supernatural villains who are like the goons, you know, the mini bosses before he gets to the main boss. One of them, Typhoid. Not Typhoid Mary, Typhoid. Yeah, I mean, apparently that's who it is, but they don't give her the full name. Similar yeah. abilities. Yeah. Um, they have Tattoo, who is a really interesting ability that they didn't utilize better, um, where his tattoos, he can manifest physically. Um, no lines of dialogue for that actor. <laughs> Just stand around with your shirt off with all these tattoos and do closed eye stuff. I suppose okay. by by having him though, like as you know, Abby was being overrun by the snakes, and then Electra turns up because again, it's still her movie. She turns up and she's like something like cool trick. I've seen it before, and then kills him almost straight away. Yeah, um, yeah. It gave and they disappear into smoke. <laughs> yeah, was it not really there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's that, just honestly, strange I remember. things like that. I feel like that was to get a, a PG rating. Like, we can't have yeah. them show blood or, like, death, so they... Well, the director has said that there's an R-rated cut of this film. And then, but I'm like, but there shouldn't be. Like, if there is, you're just really bad at your job. And you're wasting yeah. money on shooting an R-rated movie that you're having to cut down. I don't know if I mean, he's, yeah. he's saying there is. I don't think I don't think there is. I think the movie is the one that we got outside of those three minutes in his director's cut. But I remember yeah. seeing the trailer, and I still watched the movie. But I remember seeing the trailer, <laughs> and it showed the guy with the snake tattoos, and you're like, oh, wow, this is already so different to what we got a couple of years ago in Daredevil. Yeah. Like, so different. One of the reasons, yeah. Yeah, that was meant to be more grounded, gritty and everything else, even though he did have these heightened senses. This was just something else. But I guess by having it be a, a spin-off and not a sequel, they could get a bit free and loose with the world building. But again, with the portrayal of Electra in this film compared to what we'd had previously, they might as well have got a different actress. She was just so different to the Electra that we had in that last film. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's just... <laughs> there is another thing. It, it happened at the start of the movie, disappeared the entire film until the final sequence. The overuse of, like, wind machines for her hair <laughs> and, like, flowing things. Like, it was super stylized. Do you know what? Start and I at think the end. that you've got to blame Frank Miller. That's yeah. his art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, there's the, the hair is always windswept. That's his style. Yeah. So I guess they were going for that, but yeah. V- v- but yeah, visually, I guess they're looking to do what they did in the comics, but it just he just came across cheesy. Yeah. I also found that the first third, where you're waiting for the plot to develop, when she's just she spent spends like twenty minutes just standing around moping days and you're like this is not creating tension or giving me character development or anything i'm just seeing her stand around and look stunning in a nice area i'm like you could have done it 
this should be advancing the story. You're not advancing the story. But yeah, that's that's again, that's not on uh, the actors or I don't think even the director. That's just something that's been delivered to him, and he's like, ah, how can I make it feel? Like, how can I pad this out to the hour and 30 minutes with this amount of story they've given me? She Let's watch her wait to get her target. Like, yeah. maybe the audience will feel as frustrated as she is by the time she actually gets her target name. Um, yeah, it's it's an old choice. Um, again, very 2000s of like, hey, you know, we'll do this. And I'm sure they, I can I can hear the, the buzz meet, buzzwords from the, like, brainstorming meeting at the studio of like yeah if she's if she's like we're seeing how like quiet she is and seeing her method and how like pedantic she is with stuff like you said the ocd that they introduce out of nowhere mm, yeah i'm like that's um hmm, okay whatever that's that's something that you brought in dropped then brought back and still and but never did anything with all we know now is she suffers occasionally from obsessive compulsive disorder. Well, it's it's like they're making the film because they're thinking she's interesting enough. They introduce her in Daredevil for about okay, let's give her her own movie. But then it's like as if they lost confidence in her as a character and had to introduce elements to make her more interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, well, you to can do feel that, the they... decision making. Yeah, to do that they. They had to change the character and we got somebody different to what we got in that first film. And yeah. I think that's the last time I'm going to reference Daredevil. And <laughs> on that, if you're going to rate this movie out of five. Um, I'll give it a two and a half, three maybe. Like, it's not bad. It's not terrible. I've We've watched things far worse on the podcast. I've watched far worse, not just uh genre movies but genre movies from this era it's just doesn't do anything to elevate itself it's just there it's formulaic it's you know it's hitting its beats it hits its hour and a half runtime it introduces the characters gives you like a little like hint of a love story it's they're checking boxes until they get to your action set pieces i'm like eh. and i said it's, it's nothing terrible i wasn't i wasn't sitting in watching it going oh god what a piece of garbage i was just sitting there going huh i wonder where that decision came in you know, i was watching the decision making process especially given the quality of films we've had since but yeah i'm gonna sit with two and a half i don't think i can quite elevate it up to a three it's just very middle of the road doesn't land one way or another how about yourself yeah exact same two and a half you know i i've actually watched this film twice this year reason being <laughs> earlier in the year for the podcast we reviewed the daredevil film oh damn it i said i wasn't going to mention it <laughs> <laughs> but we we reviewed it earlier in the year and on the back of that rewatch i thought oh well i might as well do a lecture while i'm here so just for fun i watched a lecture again and this would have been like january february but because we were yeah. reviewing it, I thought, even though I've seen it enough, I really have, I thought, just to be fresh, I'll watch it again. So, yeah, so within a year, I've seen this film twice. Um, yeah. But, yeah, 2.5, that's my, that's my rating. There's things that I like about it, but they really did change the character. 
Yeah. You know, thinking with the Black Widow movie, it's a prequel, you know, so it's set before the events of everything else we had, but the character was still Black Widow. It was always Natasha that we spent time with in those other films. But Electra in this, she's just so different and she, she didn't need to be. So it's a spin-off, yet it's, it's just so different. And we get the dad, the daughter, the hand, and the stakes just didn't seem high enough. Yeah. Well, that's it for our episode all about Electra. If you would like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.